Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And I am here to tell you another harrowing tale of tragedy and sadness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what was our theme this week? Um, we decided it was for the greater good. For the greater good. Yeah, we pushed these uh, cases this week into produ- our production schedule because we want them heard and n- need them to be heard. So if you didn't catch Sunday's episode, grab that because grab it. Listen to it is really what I meant. You're going to want to hear that brain bath, too. You really will. It's good. It's it a, a good, good one. one. It's a good one to end a tragic case, but but the family really needs help getting the word out for that. Yes. And well, I, I mean, before the brain bath, yes. obviously. Yes. The case is, um, oh my gosh, it was, a, it was a hard one to listen to. It was. And today isn't going to be any easier, but we're in the same situation where these two girls that I'm going to tell you about today, this is the case of Ashley Freeman and Laria Bible. Okay. And their bodies still have not been found. Oh, no. So another reason why I just kind of pushed it, some things had happened in recent years that brought it back up into the media, and I just really wanted to cover it and, and get information out there so that if anybody knows anything... They can come forward. Yeah, good idea. So let's start today. Let's start today. Well, it's 3 p.m., so we've started today a while ago. <laughs> yes, we have. Let's start this case with Ash- Ashley Freeman, who was born on December 29th, 1983, to parents Kathy and Danny Freeman. She has one brother, and the family lived in the city of Welch, a rural area in the northeast corner of Oklahoma. Okay. Very rural. Okay. It sounds like it would be. Mm -hmm. Laria Bible was born on April 18th, 1983 to parents Laureen and Stanley Bible in Claremore, Rogers County, Oklahoma. But she, and she had one, uh, one brother, Brad, and the family also lived in the city of Welch, Oklahoma. Ashley and Laria had been best friends since kindergarten. Ashley played for her high school basketball team, and Laria was a cheerleader. I really like the name Laria. Oh, That's pretty. it's gorgeous. It's it's gorgeous. And I've heard it pronounced a couple of different names, but it, ways, excuse me, but it's spelled L-A-U-R-I-A. Oh, okay. And I um, listened to a podcast that there's, there is a book about this case, and I really enjoyed listening to the author. Um, I found it on Scribd, actually. It's called Hell in the Heartland by Jax Miller. And Jax was a special guest on a a True Murder podcast. And she spoke about how she's actually become really good friends with uh, Laria Bible's mother. I just really, um, I really enjoyed listening to the podcast and listening to her take on this. She went to the town in Oklahoma to do kind of an investigative report on this and ended up writing a book about the case. So pick that up. It's a good good resource. And she speaks very highly of the Bible family She is that she has befriended and, and become good friends with at this point in time. That's what befriended means. Mm. Yeah, become good friends with, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take you 
to December 29th, 1999. Now, if you recognize that date, I had told you that Ashley Freeman was born on December 29th. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to Ashley's birthday, 1999, when Ashley and Laria went to a local pizzeria with Ashley's mother, Kathy, Ashley's boyfriend, and some other friends. They were celebrating Ashley's Her birthday. 16th birthday. Aww, sweet 16. Remember, 1999, we turned 16, Amber. Aw, I got my belly button pierced Did you, for I did my not. 16th. My dad would have killed me. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not me. I got my driver's license, and that was the extent of it. Mm, I got. I barely passed. Oh. I barely passed. Maybe a brain bath. We'll save that. Uh-huh. Like I said, I I'm a vault of adventures, and they just they just come to me. I look forward to hearing that. <clears throat> On the evening of December 29th, 1999, that evening, they had planned to celebrate Ashley's birthday with a sleepover at her parents' mobile home. And Laria ended up being the only friend to stay that night, but the original plan had been for other girls to stay as well. Um, they had went to, I like I had said, they had went and had some pizza with friends, things like that. Well, on December 30th, 1999, so the next morning, about 5.30 a.m., a passerby called 911 reporting that the Freeman's home was engulfed in flames. Oh, my gosh. And emergency responders rushed to their home and found the charred remains of Ashley's mother inside. Oh, my God. Yes. We get dark and twisty quick. Oh, this is, yeah, this is horrible. So please, right before the new year, right before, right yes, after this Christmas, is, this is December 30th, uh, r- the day after Ashley's birth, Ugh. 16th birthday, the sheriff's department arrived, EMTs, all of that, they arrived and, and after firefighters, of course, and after the fire is out, they, they see the charred remains of Ashley's mother. The problem is Ashley Freeman and Laria Bible were nowhere to be seen and they have not been heard from since. Wow. Laria's vehicle was found in the driveway of the home with the keys in the ignition, her purse, and her purse had money that was was, found. And it was Mm -hmm. there. Nobody took it. Yep. At the time, authorities determined the cause of the fire was arson with an accelerant found near the home's wood-burning stove. Ashley's mother was found lying on the floor near the waterbed of the home with a gunshot wound to the back of her head. Her father's remains were not immediately found by authorities. So, and a tip was called in to the authorities stating that they saw Danny Freeman with the two girls in a white Ford truck. And basically, it was this narrative of Danny had killed Kathy and abducted the girls. This was spun, like, in lieu of the, in the sheriff's department because some some things that I need to tell you about with Danny Freeman and Kathy Freeman is that they had a son named Shane Freeman. Okay. And not quite a year late earlier. Okay. So it was uh, January 8th, if I'm remembering my notes correctly. Let me scroll a little bit. January 8th, 1999. Now remember, this is December 30th, 1999. So we're only like... About a week away from a one-year anniversary here. Their son, Shane, had been shot and killed by one of the county deputies. Oh, gosh. In what was determined to be a justified shooting. 
But the Freemans had made very strong statements that they were seeking a wrongful death suit. Okay? Uh-huh. Um, this area that we are talking about is very well known to be a, a, a strong, heavy drug. Okay, gotcha. Town. All right. Police were heavily involved with the Freeman family, family at the time. Um, so when they arrived, they were uncomfortable with everything that was happening with the Freeman family and the accusations that were being said. But they and they they found Ashley's mother, Kathy, Kathy. But then they get this tip that says basically like surrender us the deputy like I you know Danny Freeman ran away with the girls surrender us the deputy that shot my son there's gonna be a shootout and then we'll be square oh wow all right so this is what the the narrative on December 30th that the authorities kind of put out like we got this tip this is what's going on it's Danny Freeman he's the one that stole the girls he's nowhere to be found they secure the crime scene. They release the crime scene to the families. Now, remember that Laria Bible was just there as a sleepover. Right. But she is a victim in the case, so it's released to her family as well. On December 31st, 1999, Laria's parents went to the scene and searched the rubble for clues. And they were very shocked to find the body of Ashley's father, Danny Freeman. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they didn't find him in, in the nope. crime scene? Supposedly not. Nope. How do this you This was being pinned that? on Danny. And there he is with a gunshot wound to his head like his wife, Kathy, also in the master bedroom. It's believed to be. Now, remember, this was this was engulfed in flames. The scene is destroyed in right, terms of like right. where the each room was and whatnot. But he's found. And Laria... So he's in the same room. Yes. Lorraine Bible is like, listen, it was very traumatic how we found him. Oh, I'm sure. I was thinking that. She describes how, like, it, with the gunshot wound and everything, like, looked like hamburger. Like, it wasn't... Mm. It was not discreet. Okay? So... Immediately, the Bibles are like, listen, you guys clearly have no interest. You see, this is a freaking drug house. You have no interest in actually investigating. Right from the get-go, after after the Bibles find Danny, the sheriff's department's like, we've got too much bad blood going on with the Freeman family because of the death of Shane Freeman. Uh-huh. We are doing nothing. We can't do anything. We are handing this over to the the Oklahoma State investigators. Okay. So immediately, like, they're not doing, that is part of the reason why Danny's body wasn't found is because. They just stopped doing anything. The county, yep, the sheriff's county was, were like, oh, uh-uh. Can't do it. No, because they've made threats of a wrongful death suit against us. This isn't appropriate. This Agreed. has to be the yep Agreed. yep and I and I get that mm-hmm. I get that so we have to have the Oklahoma state boys and girls come in and do this well the the crime scene was released to the family and they're like yeah you 
botched this. You clearly weren't interested in investigating this because here's a whole ass body. Another, Yeah, another mm-hmm. body. Yep. So from that point, they're running the show. It was the family. It was the Bible family and with the help of some of their family and whatnot that put together searches um, for these girls because their remains are are missing. Now, let me tell you, in terms of like securing the crime, you know, the crime scene was released on December 31st to the family. So they find out right away that the lead agent, never investigative agent, never put the girls into the NCIS registry. The missing persons registry. Oh my gosh. Maureen Bible had to do that herself. This reminds me of some of our indigenous cases yes. that we covered. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was just no uh-uh. effort to. Nope. I firmly believe that I think it was just like an easy thing for investigators to be like, mm, the circumstances and the character of this that surrounds this community and this family, it's pretty easy to see that this was a drug deal gone bad. And, uh, you know, that, that's what we're going to characterize it as. Whereas the, you know, the Bibles are like, where's our daughter and where's her best friend, yeah, nobody's found them. Yep. And so what they had to do is they get an, an organized search effort, essentially. But they even had to search through the remains of the home. <sighs> so you, know, you have you have volunteers coming that aren't trained, Amber, that are coming to sift through ashes and rubble of someone's family home so i'm assuming that in my mind this sounds like time going by so like the police weren't going to do anything Mm. and they were going to hand it over to the oklahoma investigators but it didn't sound like that happened quickly because they oh no it did oh it did okay okay no time it wasn't it wasn't a situation of like just time going by we're talking december 31st they released the crime scene to the family Okay. They're no longer, they're just like within a day. And then the investigators from Oklahoma came in. Yes, they did. Like around the same time. They did. But at that point in time, the Bibles have no confidence in police sure. ability. Sure. They just stumbled upon a body that was otherwise seen as, I mean, it was Danny Freeman, who the police had been, to, investigators had been telling them, we received a tip. He's got the girls somewhere. And he wants us to give up our deputy. And so, and then all of a sudden the Bibles are like, uh, nope, Danny's right here. So we don't trust you at all. Right. They started, they get this community collaboration together to go through and sift through all the ashes and everything. And it's just a, it's a disaster because you have people bringing their kids. There are kids going through a crime scene, oh, people. God. But they determine that the girl's remains are not there. They were not a part of the fire. So where are they? So then the Lorene Bible had to enter the girls into the NCIS registry herself for missing persons. The, they've discovered that the agent did not do that. Then um, her husband, had Jay, had to call the local radio station to ask for volunteers to kind of do a grid search of the girls as well. Uh-huh. But what they would do is... If they found evidence, they would flag the evidence themselves and then call the Oklahoma um, investigators to collect it, which it's kind of like, you know, and the author, uh, Jax Miller, raises this. She's like, hey, why did the why did the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations 
even let that happen? Did they care so little that they just let this family bless their hearts, run this investigation and flag their own evidence? And then they were just like, sure, you're going to flag that evidence. Yep, I'll collect it. Why are they not doing this? Right? Good question. There was also no arson investigation done. What? It was a fire. It was a fire. And they determined the cause of the fire to be arson, but they didn't actually do an, an arson investigation to look further into it. So we have a situation, basically, where we've got possible corruption. All right. The sheriff's office did not investigate, as I told you, because of their bad blood and passing it. And that's normal. That's that's protocol. But what we what we also have, and Jax Miller discovered this when she was writing her book, is she has colleagues of the, the sheriff at the time, or the, a deputy, excuse me, one man in the deputy's office, I should say. And I'm trying to be careful not to name people here, but there's just one man who was really the problem in the police department. He really had it out for Shane. There are coworkers on record that remember him selling drugs out of the trunk of his car. Okay. There's there there is some old school corruption here. Now that person has since passed away. Okay. But there are still people that are fearful to speak out against that person, even though wow. they have passed away. Wow. Okay. Because this is a small town and it's like stitches or snitches. Snitches get, get stitches. stitches. Or end up in ditches. And so we've seen that a time or two. Yep. So we have that going on here. Um, and, and we have a family. I think, did I already say that Jay Bible had to reach out to the local radio station? No, to, he didn't say that. Yet. Okay. He reached out to the local radio station to ask for volunteers to help for the search efforts for the girls. Aww. It's like no one was looking at first for these girls. And, um, in the, you know, in the community, it's just kind of like this sense of, because of the characters involved, no one cared except for the family of the missing people. Right away, rumors start circulating about photos of the girls, these Polaroids of the girls that no one could seem to locate, but others told investigators existed and were in their brain and they remember them and it left a mark and they believe that the girls were held captive. Tell me more about these Polaroids. They are exactly as you would imagine. They are the girls bound. Oh gagged, my gosh. Men laying next to them. There was Jax Miller talks about how there it was very well known that there were rumors about these drug parties where girls were just used essentially as sex items for people to run trains on and oh, all these horrible things. What is things. wrong with people? I go home and paint birds. <laughs> like, what the F? Right? I don't get it. I research true crime cases for uh, fun me too. on the side. And That's then if it. I have extra time, I right. paint birds. Paint birds. And trees. Yes. I go to kids' sporting events. That's all my life is. I just can't. So people did report seeing Polaroids that... Of these, here's the, the girls. Thing. They did. Here's the pr- here's what I'm gonna lay down for you. There were dozens of people that came forward and gave tips that were not followed through on right away. One of the thing the the common theme among all of these tips and interviews that investigators did were three names: Ronnie Busick, David Pennington, and Warren Welch. The family had heard. Hold on, his uh-huh. name. 
was the same as the town. Welch. I don't know why, but uh, I just noticed that. Yep. Actually, I hadn't connected that either, but yes. Yes, it is. The city of Welch, the just, town of I'm Welch. I'm just yeah. pointing that out. Thank okay. you. Proceed. Yep. Carry on. Sometimes when you're typing it and you're reading it, you're so into it. I didn't even connect that. But yes, Warren Welch. My ADD brain. I like it's it. Like, wait a second. So, Ronnie Busick, David Pennington, and Warren Welch. Three very common in all the tips. Names that keep mm. popping up. So, we're seeing these names. Over and over again. People are calling yes. in. So, they're starting to ta- take some attention to these names, right? Yeah, but they okay. weren't efficiently moved on during the investigation, is what I'm telling you. The family had heard of a drug house in Pitcher, Oklahoma, which was since declared. Pitcher has since been declared the most toxic city in America by the Environmental Protection Agency. Oh, my gosh. That's horrible. I know. Pitcher was designated as a super fund site. Residents actually evacuated in the 2000s. Now, remember, this happened in 1999 due to to hazards. And then... Sadly, in 2008, an EF4 tornado tornado ripped through the town and destroyed it. Oh, my God. Is this land cursed or what? I think so. It is described as like a ghost town. It is eerie. Like uh, the Bible family and their people related to them say this town is is like bad getting eerie vibes. Bad energy. Can we visit? (laughs) Right. Great. I'm curious. where we're going live on location. I mean, this is just a lot for one town. It really is. Neither one of the homes that belonged to Pennington or Welch in Pitcher in 1999 exist today. They're gone. That complicates the hunt sure. to find any possible remains of the girls when we have their names constantly coming up. Um, one of the um, the family members, Caleb Landers, quoted was in an Oxygen report, quoted, as far as Pitcher goes, it really is a ghost town. It's a creepy feeling just being in this town. Because they went there, um, they were they were trying to investigators went there with cadaver dogs, things like that, and trying to detect any human remains. Um, this was organized by Lorraine Bible, of course, and she said, "quote At the very beginning, when the girls first disappeared, there were leads pointing to this group of men. Back then, Pitcher was a place that a lot of drugs were cooked and done, so it's bad news." So now I'm going to take you to 2015 or so. So time went on and they didn't time have Time goes answers. on and they have nothing. Yeah. Nothing. This happened in 1999. They've got nothing. Lorraine Bible and her family are doing what they can with the resources sh- that yeah, they I'm have. Yeah, I'm sure they tried really hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they hired a private investigator. This was costly for the family too. Oh, I bet. And I will get back to that in a minute. But some new investigators were handed over the case in about 2015. And they actually wanted to do their job. Of course, for the family, they're like, why? Why did this take so long? You know, why? There was a clue as they, as Tammy Ferrari and Gary Sandstill, uh, Stan Sill. Sorry, sometimes I'm dyslexic. Stan Sill. We forgive you. When they took over the case, they start looking over statements from the initial investigation and they realize that there are so many statements and clues that were not looked into at the time by the investigators. Okay. So I mean no disrespect because we're small town, right? Sure. And we've worked with some amazing law enforcement officers. Oh, yeah. There's so many good ones. Mm-hmm. But what were they doing? Like, you know, uh, their town small, sounds, like, way smaller than ours. Like, what were is. they doing 
for like this 15 years. Honestly, Amber, this is what I, the impression that I get from listening to Jax Miller, the author of Hell in the Heartland, there was a lot of fear. Oh. Fear of retribution, fear of speaking out. There was one particular person in law enforcement that was toxic and no good that people feared. And so I think that that was a part of this. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Because Gosh. that law enforcement officer had a beef with the Freeman family. Okay. And you that and was I, the one you and mentioned I just, before. It's not lost on me the irony that um, Jax talks about how the family believed that the statute of limitations on the wrongful death suit for their son was only one year in Oklahoma. I don't think that that's accurate, but that is what they believed at the time. And so at the time, they're like, wait a second. This is literally a week before the one year anniversary of the, you know, of their of Shane's death. And the um, the statue runs out and Kathy and Danny are shot to death. And then their house is lit on fire and their daughter and their daughter's friend go missing. You know, so there's just there's. There's a lot of speculation. There's like, yeah. this looks bad. Yeah. This looks bad. So some of the investigation, now now we're in 2015 and the new investigators come on scene. And this investigation leads them to a man named Jeremy Jones. He was 43. At the time, he was already a convicted killer and rapist. And he once lived in Miami, Miami Oklahoma, not far away. He actually like confessed to killing the girls. And then later recanted. Oh, that so always this- fascinates me when people do this. And it happens all the time. Yes. Who is and who comes forward with something like that? And then they're like, wait, nope, nope sorry. didn't do it. Well, and I Unless apo- you're fear. I mean, it's fear based. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. And I do apologize because um, this, I said 2015 when the new investigators came on scene. I apologize. I actually, it was 2005. Before the new investigators came on scene, the investigation had kind of led them to this Jeremy Jones. He he admits, then he recants. But they did go and search for the girls in a mine shaft, which is where he was saying the bodies were. He told them a couple of different places. They did not find any bodies. It was a dead end. Then he recants, and they basically wasted their time. And uh, honestly, he is awaiting, ex- at the time was awaited awaiting execution in Alabama for rape and murder. So okay, there it is. Probably believed to he wanted to say that he had information on these girls to try to negotiate himself you know, uh, sure. out of the death penalty. He's like, I got nothing left. I'll say I did it. So when these investigators in 2015 come on scene, they find that there was a crucial piece of evidence that was overlooked, and that was that the family hired a private investigator. And this private investigator, just days after the the situation, because, of course, they lost all faith in police yeah. when they found a body in that the was remains. Overlooked. Right. Okay. Can I just say, I appreciate when sometimes new investigators come mm-hmm. on and they start Go from gung-ho. scratch. So it, a fresh perspective mm-hmm. sometimes is the best thing. Yep. Because they... You know, if you have somebody that's been working on a case for a long time or no one, you know, and it, there's no leads, having somebody new come in and, like, look at everything from a different... Plus, times went on. 
So yes. things have advanced. So yep. I'm kind of like, yay. Yep. Good. I can tell you as someone who has been handed a case that was still open after three years of investigating the death of a child. And I'm like, why, why am I being handled this right now? It's a little frustrating as the investigator to be like, you couldn't do your job. So now I have to do it for you and reinvestigating and finding the truth of what really happened and whatnot. It, it can be very frustrating, but at the same token to the investigator, for me, I was like, you know what? I've got something to prove because this is pretty obvious. You just have to actually do your job. Right. It's not that hard. Just find, you know, do the interviews, look at the information and make your next move. Like it's not that difficult, but for some people, they just don't want to. And, and so I, I yeah. have been in that place before and I've been in the place where I've had to go and testify to, you know, well, why didn't they find this the first time around three years ago? I can't answer that. I don't know. But this is what I found when I was handed the case. And yeah, that, I mean, I didn't think of it that way, but that could have been what was going on all those years. It's like finally right. somebody gets the case where they're like, we're going to like it's so look obvious. into this. And this is what is obvious. A private detective found an insurance card, Amber, at the scene days after the fire, was laying in the driveway, and he went to the police with the insurance card. I found this. They didn't follow up with it. Wow. Okay, it's, it's, it really is sometimes that simple. In the case that I was just telling you about. They were just like, yeah, this old thing. Yes. With the, you know, I literally just had to read the statements that other people, that, that they took briefly, re-interview them and figure out what has changed. What is, you know, what's the same? What is this crucial piece of evidence that no one followed through on? And in this case, this was it. And they do, they follow through. And the, the private investigator was like, I told them that I had this insurance card and I was waiting for a knock at my door for them to collect it into evidence and they never did. And that private investigator kept that crucial piece of evidence so that in 2015 when the investigators that wanted to do their job came forward and asked for it, he had it. Oh, so he held on to it all that time. Yes, he held on to it. And so they tracked down the holder of the insurance card, okay? And they discover, they, they get to a point where they are interviewing an ex-girlfriend of one of the men thought to be involved in this. Remember those three men that I named earlier? I do. This woman, she I'm not naming her. I have her initials. I'm not even going to give you those. She does not want to be named. Okay. She was an ex of, um, she lived with Phil Welch. At the time. Something told me it was going to be Welch. Welch. Mm-hmm. And she alleged that she heard conversations between the three the three men, those same three men that everyone Everybody, kept mentioning. Yeah. Okay. And that they disclosed that the murder victims had owned, owed them money. So Kathy and Danny Freeman, that were shot in the head, had owed them money over some drugs. All right. Was and, it Was it meth? Or you don't know. It This area was heavily, heavily known for meth. But Danny and Kathy's drugs that they had was marijuana. Danny Freeman was known to have a very unique, high-quality form of marijuana. Okay. I was curious because we. I feel like in 
these really desolate areas. Yes, that so is the easiest meth. place to make meth. But when we're talking like 90s, yep. marijuana was also... Very, so I was yep. curious, like those were the two that I was kind of spinning, like it's got to be. Meth is mentioned a lot in this case because in the area, like I, I had told you Pitcher, uh, about Pitcher, Oklahoma there. Yes, you are right on, you hit the nail on the head with that. Meth is very I was wondering. common in this, like you said, it's a desolate area. Man, when you're in a small town, like paint some birds. <laughs> like paint, why are we? Like we do. Why do we need to cook meth? You know, right. Right. Oh, that stuff is so much worse problem. than ca- the ingredients for it are as bad as cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Which is officially how we say cocaine yes, now because there's no other way. The, o- the only way it's to the say the fancy it. way. Yep. Cocaine. Cocaine. And that's made of like cement and gasoline oh, and all kinds of Again, crap. bonus episode. Yes, learn. You'll, you'll hear that. Listen and learn. Yeah, so this this lady is like, from what I gather, they on the night of the fire- the Kathy and Danny owed money. I mean, really, it was Danny who owed the money. Kathy was killed as collateral damage. And then the girls were kidnapped because they witnessed things, and they killed them later. She um, also claimed that she discovered Welch had a briefcase containing Polaroids of the girls bound and gagged with du- duct tape and lying on a bed. In some Polaroids, she observed Welch lying next to the girls. This is all in a court affidavit statement. Another witness alleged in the affidavit that the girls were held for a matter of days in Welch's trailer, and the witness claimed that the girls were, quote, trigger warning, by the way, were, quote, raped and violently strangled to death. When the interviews resurfaced, the new investigators tracked down in 2018 and arrested Ronnie Dean Busick, 66, and charged him with four counts of first-degree murder, two counts of kidnapping, and one count of arson. Wow. All right. Now, the reason that only Ronnie Busick was arrested is because Warren Phillip, or Phil Welch, the second. Thank you for including the details. Them, um, and David Peddington were already dead. Oh, I was wondering if that's what you were getting at and it should be noted before i move forward just keep in mind that ronnie Busick is a hard 66 <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean if this is a meth town i'm yes. getting what you're saying and that's just it ronnie Busick enjoyed himself some hardcore meth i don't know why i appreciate that so much like he was a hard he was a hard 66. haggard 66 it's gonna be important how are you still alive yes 66 yes not okay. like a still running marathons at 66 okay i'm getting what you're putting out i can't believe you're still alive <laughs> yes hanging by a thread 66 meth might be the only thing keeping you together if you don't have your meth you're gonna right. die 66 right. okay i got you yes. i got it now ronnie himself said Oh, God, I don't even know if I want to know what he said. I know. After he's arrested. With meth brain. After he's arrested. Now, remember. He said. He's. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's what he said. Yeah. Oh. And and that's it, guys. Have a good night. We're done. Do you watch Yellowstone? You haven't watched it yet, have you? 
I don't know if I should disclose. There was an uproar about Hunger Games, <laughs> which, true. by the way, everyone, I am committed to watching. Thank you. I'll watch it with but you. But actually, someone mentioned the books, and I'm like, mm, yeah, those are good too. Might want to good do those first. Yeah, those are amazing. I so, I agree. So no, I I haven't seen Yellowstone. You'll really like it because fucking hot cowboys. That's oh, all I have to say. Love me some tight. Jeans yes. and a uh, buttocks and a tight jean. You'll love it. But there's a character called Teeter, and she's hilarious. I love her, but you cannot understand a fucking word that she says. And That's what that, I'm picturing. That is how I'm picturing like, Ronnie. What could Ronnie oh. say at 66 after a, a life of drugs? Also, Ronnie had a brain injury from of all of his Matthews. I mean, don't feel sorry for him. He made oh, I bad, don't. bad choices. I don't. So he, his memory is horrific i would imagine and and his brain has rotted away okay so he's not all as Jax miller said on the podcast he's not all there i and just it's so true. I envisioned this kind of ronnie after we have established this yes. is a meth town and he claims that the disagreement for shooting kathy and danny was over meth but Danny was known for having marijuana and they for having marijuana for being a marijuana dealer and having this like, you know, great kind of Satan's arugula. I mean, he just and there was some in hit taken from his bedroom, as a matter of fact. There was some in a big garbage can that he kept. Not like a garbage can like what you're with other garbage, like he just kept it. Like full of marijuana. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, I bet so, that was a potent smell. That's exactly what I thought. So like, strong. Oh, shit. You know, they had to burn some incense in there. Oh, for sure. Ronnie was like, he owed some money over meth. And that's what this That's what this happened over. <sighs> okay. Like you were saying earlier, we see meth exaggerate, you know, escalate to this point more so than marijuana. Yeah. Busick himself said it never should have happened over a cheap piece of dope. It never should have happened over anything. His side of the story is that... Phil Welch shot and killed Kathy and Danny Freeman before ransacking their home and stealing money and marijuana. And after they, um, the after one of them, he can't really say who. Remember, meth brain. I was going to say, it's is it meth brain or is he like, I'm withholding? I don't know. I think really a lot of it is just his life is eaten holes and his, his brain looks like Swiss cheese at this point in time. He said... One of them set fire to the home. The girls escaped. And then in the light of the fire, because this whole trailer is up in smoke, the girls had been, they had escaped into a field behind the house. But unfortunately, one of the girls like lifted their heads up to oh, see. Oh, stop. That and just breaks my heart. In the light of the fire, they saw them. Oh. And so he said, Dave Pennington went after one. Phil went after the other. And how horrible. Now, Busick claims, again, you have to remember, this guy is removing himself from everything. Like, he's like, listen, Phil Welch uh, shot right. the parents. Possibly Dave, Dave and uh, he was Pennington just standing there yeah, as an lit the fire. You know, Dave went after one girl. Phil went after the other. I was just standing around. So he claimed that, well, it was actually Phil Welch that beat the girls and injected them with methamphetamine at his home. And also other witnesses had said Welch was the mastermind behind the murders. 
Did we ever figure out the insurance card? Um, I was just curious. Like, it was in the driveway. Was yeah, it, it belonged to a girlfriend of Phil Welch. Did That's Phil how they, drop it? or? Yes. Okay. They believe that it was dropped, that it, like it fell it out, out of the vehicle. Okay. Yep. They believe that it fell out of his vehicle. That's, I was thinking it maybe fell. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay. I mean, hey, we've had a perpetrator who left his birth certificate yes. at the scene. <laughs> and another form of ID. And his ID. Yes. To further <laughs> confirm who he was. It happens. It, it does. does. Shit happens. <laughs> Karma will get you. It do- It really, it will. Ronnie is like, listen, I don't know where the girls are. Okay. Other than David Pennington said that the girls could be found in a root cellar. Okay. So he's claiming he doesn't know what happened to them at all. Right. To other like- other than, like, he didn't take part in anything with the girls. He admitted he's an accessory to murder of Kathy and Danny. Do you but believe he him? he claims that he has nothing to do. I believe 100% that he would have taken part in binding, gagging, raping these girls. Fuck yes. I yeah. don't believe for a second that no. he does I'm, not know what happened to those girls. I'm not saying that he necessarily like after they were of no use to him sexually that he necessarily disposed of their body and the reason i'm saying that is because they're offering him a plea deal at this point in time for the bodies you deliver you lead us to the bodies i get it I- and remember what i said he's a hard 66 <laughs> that's my favorite part so prison time it's necessarily going to not going to treat him well. If right. we can't have our math in prison, well, you probably can, but right, right. <laughs> for the right price. For the, exactly. We've all heard the stories. Um, Oh, my God, the stories I've heard. Brain, uh, another time. We'll for sure. I, I agree. But um, he, he was offered a plea to, deal. He was. He has to produce the bodies. That's all the families want at this right. point Right. They time. just want to know. They want their the. I guess they want their relatives of closure. Of closure. Yeah. Absolutely. Lorraine Bible wants her daughter for fuck's sake. And he has yet to produce them and they would reduce his sentence. So I do believe that he fully participated in the kidnapping yes. and the rape and torture of these girls, possibly even the murder. Yes, yes, and yes. I but believe But the that actually too. knowing or remembering where the hell they dumped their bodies is not panning out for him. So he has not been able to provide that. No, and they gave him like a specific date during his sentencing and and he still couldn't produce their bodies. Now they've done searches where he's told them where the bodies would be located. They can't find them. No. Ugh, now, that's so sad. They did search for a second time. Remember I told you in 2005 they searched in Pitcher. Okay, the pen on on uh, David Pennington's property. They searched a second time. Plans were delayed due to weather, but this is a quote from Oxygen. Unfortunately, it rained a whole lot in the spring, and then when it turned off, it turned uh, it turned on too hot. We'll be excavating more with different plots ready to be excavated in the future. I will tell you that those excavations did not lead to their body. Um, so there are were a couple of spots of interest, such as some wells. Um, a septic tank. They're like we. They're at this point where they're leaving no stone unturned. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm if, glad they're still searching. Yep. Yep. I really am. So, and they're assuring the family that 
we are going to run this through very thoroughly at this point. I mean, uh, honestly, at this point, it's kind of like, I'm sorry that our colleagues that aren't really their colleagues, but seriously, the people that came before them fucked up so royally bad. That it took that, like, this long. We, yes, we will do Because this can. is what I'm saying, okay? I feel like I I struggle to believe if this was done right that they wouldn't have found the girls. You're absolutely right. When we're talking about a meth trio. Thank you. Thank you. My thought exactly. They're not the sharpest tools in the shed. I feel like I could have gone down yep. to Oklahoma and had a good shot. Yep. I'm just saying, like, if this would have been done Correctly. the right way at the time. We would have these girls. So yep. I, it makes me excited to think that if somebody's, like, I'm glad they're still looking. And they're now they're like, okay, we're going to. Up the ante here. We're going to yep. do this. Exactly. Exactly. So, we were going to make this right for this family. I hope they find them. Now, I will say that the pictures have not ever been recovered by authorities, but there have been so many people that saw these pictures because these three idiots bragged about what they did and about these pictures that it has left a vivid memory to those who saw it, saw them, I mean, in their mind. And they've come forward and talked to authorities course uh, some of them have come forward because two of the perpetrators are dead and one is locked up you know what i mean so it's so safe it's that, yes it's it's safer um so what investigators the real investigators at this point in time you know believe happened is that busick along with welch and pennington came to the freeman's trailer in the early morning hours of december 30th 1999 to collect a drug debt from ashley's father danny freeman after shooting, we still don't know. We have no idea how it escalated to shooting these two people execution style in the head. I just want to say I kind of forgot this was a mobile home. And so the fact that they missed a body. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's just, mm-hmm. that's bad. And they believe that then they took the girls, set the house on fire. They do believe that Laria Bible and Ashley Freeman were likely kept alive for several days in Pitcher, where the three men raped and tortured them, and also had other, possibly other people revolving. That makes me to do so that too sad. for drug, you know, payment, drugs, and all kinds of stuff. Um, they believe that the girls were then strangled and that their bodies were dumped in some sort of undisclosed location. Um, at this time. Now, remember, Busick is a hard 66. <laughs> like, rock hard. Real hard. I'll show you pictures. I I need to see it's those. Rough. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison with five years of probation. If he can assist investigators in finding the girls' bodies before August 31st, 2020. Okay? Because this remember, this was 2018 when he was arrested. Oh, my gosh. He did not assist in helping them. At this point in time, they have him for accessory of murder of Kathy and Danny Freeman and then the possible abduction and torture of of the girls. But that's as far as as it goes in terms of that. So because his meth brain can't recall fully what happened and they have nothing else to go by, that's all. That's all. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a private reward of $50,000 being offered for information related to the location of the girls' bodies. 
Oh, so it's if, still, it's just. Absolutely. If you have information, call 1-800-522-8117. Excuse me, 8017. I'll say that again. 800-522-8017. Or via email at tips at osbi.ok.gov. There is still that $50,000 reward out there because we still don't have their bodies. He is rotting in prison. He probably will not survive I would imagine his life will probably not. I mean, who knows? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But so. How sad. Solved. Not solved. You know what I mean? It's solved in terms of, okay, that, that confirms that this was a drug shakedown gone wrong. The girls were collateral damage. But where are their bodies? Please produce them so these families can have closure. Just let them know. And you're right, though. He might not really remember. I know. And his lawyers argue that. Like, he'll give you what he knows. They're like, look, he's a hard 66. For sure. He only knows what he knows at this point. He knew more at some point in time, but his brain looks like Swiss cheese. And now this is the most we can make up We've got nothing here, people. Now, guys, I will let you know that there are numerous sources out there for you. Um, I was able to watch, I did watch a couple of documentaries about this case. I liked um, Jax Miller's book better, but I'm always somebody who likes, who prefers books over video um, entertainment anyway. So you can find, there's an investigative discovery. There there are all kinds of, of episodes out there about the Laria Bible and Ashley Freeman case. And their pictures did look really familiar to me. I think I do remember covering it. Now, this was not heavily, like, nationally covered. It was more regional. There wasn't a ton of coverage out there about that, which was another reason why Jax Miller wanted to write the book, to try to help. Like, somewhere out there... Someone knows something. Somebody knows something. Who I agree. back in 1999 was too scared to say anything, and now the coast is clear. Say something. Speak up. Oh yeah. How, what is that? Well, I hope I hope they get answers. Me too. I hope with having new investigators yes. continuing to search so that they find find these sweet girls' yes. bodies and let them be laid to rest once and for all. Absolutely. Yep. And with that said, oh. are you ready? Did you see the hard 66? I saw the hard 66. I wasn't lying. I can't, um, I can't unsee that. I know. Right. Ever. Oh. We'll we'll post that on our socials. That's a, that's a lot. Leave something to be desired anyway. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. I I mean, honestly, he does not look 66. He looks more like he's 82. He looks like he might not be alive. Possibly. Needs. Some intervention. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, here's to hoping he doesn't live out his 10-year sentence. Sorry. I yeah. know that's cruel, but, hey, you you did a horrible, horrible thing for no reason. I mean, this these girls, this was done to them over they nothing. Had, I was just going to say, the thing that makes me so mad about this. And it was, they it had was no, Ashley's birthday. It was her 16th birthday. That just breaks my heart. They were innocent like, they were a product of their environment, yep. unfortunately, and I can't imagine what happened to them. It's yep. horrible. And the thing is, is that a couple of articles that I read said that Danny Freeman knew they were coming that night. He he was aware that they were coming over, 
was not aware, obviously, that this was going to go down. I mean, think about it. They had plans to have a lot of Ashley's friends spending the night. She was supposed to have more than just Laria Bible. Yeah. And and Laria was just a victim in this. She yes. happened to be staying with her friend. Right. It's Ugh. it's so sad. It's yes. so sad. And they they were adorable. Yes, they're girls. beautiful. It's girls. so not fair. And yep. when you see these Whoops, trolls sorry. that yep. did this all oh my over God. you know, like Music said, all over some dope. I'm so sad that two of them passed away without mm-hmm. justice being served. I'm so Let's sad just hope about on that. On the flip side they met their their fate. I hope so. You know, on little Nikki when they have Hitler scheduled to have a pineapple pineapple shoved up his yes! ass. Yes! Like, please. Can we let that? I love that you've seen little Nikki, but oh, not the Hunger Games. <laughs> Jesus. It says something you know, about you. I'm revealing what kind of person I am. <laughs> Give me cheap thrills. I'm here for, for it. For sure. For sure. <laughs> oh, God. I love it. Okay. Okay. Are you ready for a brain bath? I am. Yeah. Let's cleanse me, my friend. So if you are a Patreon, give our sweet listeners just a small taste of what it's like to be a Patreon. Okay. Because um, we did a whole segment. We did a whole segment, my friend. And it just shows the fun that we have as, as the VIP members of Patreon. Here at Crime Curious. I am excited because I'm not sure which one you're gonna I know. You have give no us. Idea. Here's the here it is from DailyMail.co from UK. Man's penis rots <laughs> after he gets it stuck in a metal pipe for five days before finally going to a Thai hospital for help when the pain became too much. I don't have a penis, but that just makes mine hurt. I've I probably seen said them that before. before. I understand how delicate they are. So as one who doesn't necessarily. I've seen them a time or two. I have. I I do have children. Oh. I recognize them as a vulnerable appendage. That that is being generous. (laughs) A a very uh, fragile. Fragile. Member. Yes. Here's what the article says. I need. Yeah. tell, Tell us more. A Thai man's penis began to decay. After he got it jammed in a metal pipe for five days and only sought medical attention after the became after the pain became unbearable. First of all, how did Thai he, man? I have questions. How the hell did he? The the pain became unbearable after five days after it had started to to decay. Is this man the strongest man alive? Right. After four hours, I probably would have been like, I give. I'm go- uncle, I surrender. Uncle. I will turn myself in. Um, I take the. I take it the the pipe was not attached to something, right? Let me give you the deets. Okay. The 21 year old placed his penis in a sock, as they do. We all have our moments. And then put it into a metal cylinder and had sex with it last week. This was written in. When was this written? I 2020. Lo- I love that someone got a hold of this and was like, the world needs to know. You know, it said last week, this was written January 14th, 2020. So this was actually pre pandemic because I was going to throw him a bone, no pun intended. We're lonely. To be like, we're lonely. <laughs> we're lonely. It's a rough but time. This, this is before that okay. all hit. Okay, but the, I love just whoever wrote this article. I'm just, to you. I mean, I don't have a member, but like how 
is that I don't know how that's enjoyable. Let me tell you. After climax, the tip had swollen so much that the blood couldn't flow back. And he was stuck inside the makeshift sex toy. Oh. He wandered around his house for five days in extreme pain while trying a variety of lubricants to free himself from the jam. Did you try Crisco? I I hear it works It sounds like it was already so tightly... um, Wedged. Wedged. The lubricant was probably not going to work. Listen, the tighter, not always the better, people. Nope. So... Ow. The unidentified man eventually dragged himself to a hospital in Bangkok, Thailand. Now, I, w- I just want to know how long the pipe was, like, when he went into the hospital. I'm not sure. Hold on. I'm cold reading this, so I'm not sure. I read the title and was like, fuck, yeah, we're covering that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure. He told medics that he had used the industrial equipment to masturbate twice before. Oh, so he's done went, this before. It went fine. But this time, after experimenting with a socks... With a, excuse me, with a sock, not plural. He climaxed and could not remove it himself. So that was the difference. The fabric between the sock and the metal. Must be the metal. Must be he did not enjoy the hard metal feeling. Just the cold. Yes. The cold, lonely metal. He wanted something else. He adorned a sock this third time around to see if that increased the pleasure principle in his brain, I guess. He endured the pain for five days with his penis rotting inside the contraption. Oh, it started to actually decay. It did. Before he summoned up the strength to call for help, volunteer rescue workers then took him to the hospital. So a paramedic said that they spent three hours cutting the metal from the man's penis, but wasted 25 blades slicing through it. I like how the paramedic's like, we wasted 25 blades on his penis. (laughs) That is some strong metal, though. When I first saw his penis, it was already swollen. The bolts and nuts that he put on were three millimeters thick and were hard to uh, cut them open with a small blade. Oh. We used 25 blades and spent more than three hours on the operation. Uh, the man had been experimenting with adding a black sock to his, his sex toy. Why do we have to know what color the sock was? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I I appreciate the small details here. <laughs> but this was one of the reasons that he was stuck. The doctor, Sikra, said the man could have lost his penis as the skin had rotted so badly the tissue inside was visible. <gasps> oh. It's very dangerous to have the penis in this situation for three hours, let alone five days. The penis was stuck because when it was erect in the bolt... The cavities filled with blood, but afterwards the blood couldn't return to his body. Must have been a very snug. Yes, I'm thinking so. And stayed in the glands at the top of the penis. The organ then began rotting. Yeah, because it has no blood flow. He literally jammed all of the blood up there at the tip. It couldn't return to his body. Get it in there. I don't know. Why do, you know, let this be a lesson. You know what? I don't even want it. I don't want our, to know. Our analytics tell us that we have exactly the same amount, damn near, of female listener as men listeners. Okay? So, men, hear, hear me out. Let's have a heart-to-heart, babies. 
The, it doesn't, the tighter, not always the better. Okay. My babies. Stop. <laughs> Stop shoving your penises into the smallest crevice you can find. It doesn't necessarily work in your favor. Get one of the, the pocket, uh, you know. A pocket pussy. Yes. Get a pocket. Get, get one of those. It's safe. FDA regulated. Yeah. It's, it is it's the approved. Right, it's the right circumference. It's flexible. Yes. You will be able to dislodge yourself from it safely. I just feel like of all of the things I would think of putting it in. A tiny metal pipe? Like there's no leeway there. That that doesn't sound pleasurable at all. And the other thing I'm thinking, I mean, when you really get down to brass tacks. (laughs) I'm listening. The entrance into a metal pipe would probably be a little bit cutty. I thought I was just, it sounded like there was like bolts in it. Yeah, he constructed this. So that's probably the reason for the sock buffer. Oh, okay. Uh, The sock buffer. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to create a buffer. A buffer. Yes. So, oh. Ouch to that. Ouch. I don't even know. I don't even have one. No, but mine is hurting me. (laughs) Me too. Somehow I have phantom penis pain. (laughs) Sympathy. I just snorted. (laughs) Sympathy penis pains. I don't know. It is a thing. It's a thing. Yes. Ouch. Ow. So there... There you are, you guys. That's your brain <laughs> bath for today. Well, I can tell you it distracted me from the case. It did. It, that's the point. We're supposed to leave you on a lighter note. If you have a penis, I have a feeling that you're walking slightly bent over and feel like you might vomit. I am. But, I am. Right, right. Um. That phantom penis pain. But, <laughs> uh, but we, you know... Regardless, we hope we left you on a lighter note. Keep it curious. Definitely, but not (laughs) so curious curious that you shove your penis into a small homemade metal pipe with a black sock, as if the color of the sock matters. Also, given the color of sperm, why would you choose black? Mm. You should probably choose white from here on out. I would think so. Oh my gosh, the people, I bless those that work in the ER. You're the heroes. You know, you know the they've seen real something. heroes of the world. Oh, so for true. sure. It's so true. For sure. Okay. I bet they get a lot of things stuck. Okay. Our ER listeners. Like they see a lot of things stuck. Please write us things you've seen. We won't use your name. We won't use the patient's name. It's all in confidence. Write us, write us, write us on our social medias. Yes. Crimecurious at yahoo.com if you want to email us. That'd be fantastic. We could do our own podcast on it, I would imagine. Probably. The shit they've seen. I can just as a social worker for crying out loud. Oh, I have some stories. Yeah, yeah. But okay, well, hey guys, join us next week. Please. Please, after all that. For more of this. Yes, yes. And if you like that, we do do it. We do do it. <laughs> if you're into this kind of thing. If you're into this kind of thing. We do do a brain bath only episode for all of our top tier Patreons. We do. We're getting ready to actually do that now. We are. We are. So we're doing another one right now after yeah. this recording. So yeah, keep it curious and keep listening. And thank you so much for listening. And until next time, bye bye.